This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C. and this is The Breakfast Grill. On the 6th of February 2023, a catastrophic and destructive earthquake struck southern and central Turkey, as well as northern and western Syria. It is one of the strongest earthquakes ever recorded in the region and the deadliest earthquake in more than a decade worldwide. The death poll now has surpassed 40,000 and is expected to climb. To help us shed light on the rescue, recovery and rebuilding efforts, we have in the studio Ambassador to Turkey to Malaysia, Emir Salim Yuxel. A very good morning to you, Your Excellency. Thank you very much, Philip. Good morning. Thank you for having me in BFM. First and foremost, are your family and friends safe? Yeah, uh, yes, yes. In that sense, yes. Good. Um, Can you help us just describe in your own words the scale of this devastation this earthquake has had on Turkey? Uh, Yeah, uh, again, thanks very much for the question. That's very important to underline or try to explain what's really going on in Turkey. And uh, unfortunately, on the 6th of February, there was not only one earthquake in the very early morning at 4 o'clock, but there was two actually in just six hours and uh, almost the same magnitude. And uh, it struck the southeastern of Turkey. And uh, unfortunately, this is a very unprecedented event actually in, in just a very short span of time having two earthquakes at the same magnitude over a long span of uh, geographical uh, uh, fault line. And uh, so uh, after that, uh, unfortunately, in addition to that, actually, we should underline that it's a region, highly populated region mm. uh, of, of Turkey. And with these two earthquakes, unfortunately, two, uh, sorry, 10 uh, cities were affected, uh, 10 cities. Uh, it's a highly, uh, again, as I told you, it's a highly populated area. And all in all, 10 million people were affected in the region. And uh, I must say that uh, the, uh, the disaster relief and disaster, counter-disaster measures of Turkey is so strong. Uh, we have uh, the, uh, the, the uh, AFAT, which is called an organization, which is, which is like uh, Malaysian NADMA. And our, our AFAT organization is very strong. They have a very good uh, organization in every city. They have a good, uh, good infrastructure. But unfortunately, uh, this unprecedented event, it's, it's very difficult to expect it. Unprecedented and, uh, for sure. Ten cities affecting 10 million people. I think you were just saying to me earlier, the area, the disaster zone is the size of Portugal. Yes, yes, exactly. It's almost 100,000 square kilometers, as large as Portugal. And uh, uh, that's the reason that actually we requested uh, an international assistance. And I must say that until now, almost 100,000 countries all over the world uh, offered their help. And we are very uh, uh, happy to see this uh, all over the world. We are very uh, grateful to, to all counterparts, all the countries giving help. And of course, here I would like to underline specifically Malaysia's help because just in the morning, we had in contact with the Wismaputra uh, just after the earthquake. And then in 12 hours at that night, actually, we uh, put the first smart team of Malaysia very professionally prepared. Mm-hmm. And we sent them to Turkey for search and rescue operations. 
And you're saying now that there's so much support from multiple countries around the world, including Malaysia. Malaysia was very quick to respond. Help us understand the situation on the ground now. Have we been able to comb through the entire area? Is recovery taking place and rescue efforts in all the 10 cities? Is this complete already? Is it happening in all parts of the disaster zone? Uh, Partly yes, partly no, because uh, destruction or devastation is not the same uh, in all cities. uh, There are some differences, of course. So in some cities, uh, search and rescue operations are completed, but in cities, um, it's going on. We are seeing some miracles. For for example, just two hours ago, Mm -hmm. another uh, two two persons were rescued uh, under the rubble. So we are so happy to do that. Some, Some in some areas they our teams are still working and they're trying to find some some uh, allied people under the rubble so that's uh, that's really important for us and uh, uh, in terms of malaysia again uh, just after the first smart team malaysia accepted to send another smart team just one day after and then uh, malaysia has now uh, a field hospital as well uh, the, the the field hospital malaysia started working just yesterday and all in all, Malaysia has 200, uh, almost 250 people working in the uh, area. And uh, uh, of course, we received so much support from the Malaysian people, starting with the, their majesties, king and queen of Malaysia, condolences, messages. And I'm very thankful to His Excellency Prime Minister Amber uh, Ibrahim as well for his instructions in that sense. And I think Malaysians all really want out to go out and help and support in the rescue and recovery efforts because the rescue and recovery efforts are extremely complicated in this part of the zone area, isn't it? I mean, not only is it huge, the recovery and disaster zone, it's also a former conflict zone. It's also an area where perhaps the the terrain is not so easy to get access. So the question is, is there full access now to humanitarian support in all areas yeah i mean in terms of uh, in terms of humanitarian uh, the transportation there is no problem in that sense but of course at the beginning of the you know last week there were some problems of transportation because roads and some airports were affected but now the airports all in functioning roads are mostly open there are some some uh, some things going on in order to fix some roads but uh, of course because of the magnitude of the event there's a state of emergency were declared in order to secure the area uh, in order to uh, the, the 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 maximum uh, uh, optimum organization to give to the people uh, living there and of course another uh, important issue is that we have winter down there actually it's not like malaysia it's minus six seven sometimes you know it's very cold down there right now and uh, and uh, uh, now search and rescue operations sometimes going on but when they are completed we will start uh, the rebuilding our country our, our cities once again and uh, some people are being translated to some other cities and uh, now we are focusing on having some uh, tent cities or container cities because although some of course all some buildings are are intact uh, most of the buildings are intact down there but people understandably they don't want to enter the buildings right now and we are trying to give them a temporary shelter until they are uh, feel safer in the in their um, uh, home con- home home cities actually and some people are going to their relatives 
And uh, that's what we see right now. So there's quite a lot of help on the ground now. At the early stages of the of the disaster, there was a lot of criticism over the slow response by the Turkish government. Even President Erdogan had accepted that the government was not rapid enough. Um, at what point did you think that they had to, they realised that, you know, the response was just not adequate and they had to ramp up suddenly and move much faster? Um, I think uh, the response of the government was was fast enough because I don't really uh, agree with that criticism because I'm trying to explain you the magnitude of the problem. Ten cities at the same time, you know, two earthquakes and it's it's four o'clock in the morning. It's not really something that you can be prepared of always. And uh, as I told you, our you know AFAT system is very strong, very flexible. Hun- they have uh, hundreds of people uh, working in every city. And uh, and uh, the, the the government did whatever they can do, but the as I as I told you, the this is something that you cannot be really prepared of, you know, yeah. in my opinion. I, I mean, the the quake itself is, I think, something that is beyond our control. But there was also some point made that essentially there were some structural issues over the lax policing of building codes, you know. So what has the government done now to ensure better enforcement of construction codes across Turkey following this incident? Yeah, I mean, actually, the, these rules are and norms are being carefully observed all, all the time. And in addition to the last question, actually, your previous question, I, I would like to add you just now, right now in the in the area, uh, 250,000 people working from different uh, ministries, actually. It's military units, medical teams, and uh, police, gendarmerie, and uh, all the relevant people from different ministries. Uh, they came from different cities in order to give um, the, the, the comfort and the necessary uh, service to, to the people. And uh, of course, uh, for example, I just want to give you an example in uh, from from the the point of view of my ministry. Actually, we have uh, we have twenty ambassadors working in the cities, uh, ten cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have deployed two ambassadors uh, for each city, and they are trying to coordinate the 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 help and dialogue between uh, the local authorities and the, the the foreign help which is coming down to to these cities so so it's a it's a huge mobilization at the moment and uh, i think the governments and and turkeys and uh, the capacity is so uh, strong in that sense so inshallah we will be recovering soon and according with the instructions of our president actually we will start building these cities once again in march we will start in march yeah sure but back to the original question about the you know the construction course and better enforcement you know there people concerned whether there are issues about you know uh, building integrity even in the capital city of Istanbul can is there any assurance that there will be better enforcement moving forward in terms of yeah, the policing of building codes yeah, then? yeah this issue actually thanks very much for the question important question this issue has been uh, has been uh, observed very carefully especially particularly after the 1999 uh, earthquake happened close to to Istanbul in Izmit uh, that earthquake actually um, uh, gave us to to think about those norms and, and regulations which can be uh, better observed uh, in terms of uh, earthquake preparedness. It's very important. And since then, uh, those uh, regulations are being applied in every uh, city, in every local government in Turkey. But of course, uh, it takes time, you know, rec- sometimes it takes time to reconstruct your buildings and everything. And uh, 
and uh, uh, local local authorities are taking uh, into account the new regulations which was uh, came into force after 99 uh, earthquake and this crisis of course hasn't only impacted turkey it's also impacted syria we actually are seeing you know even movements of refugees across the border from turkey and syria um question to you is are we seeing aid being open aid, aid roads being open all the way from turkey to access syria because the devastation there is as equally horrendous as what we are seeing in turkey yeah i mean actually uh, th- there is no uh, there is no movement actually on the border right now uh, from Turkey to Syria or from Syria to Turkey, there is no borders are closed right now. And in terms of help, uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, there were two UN convoys entered from Turkey to to help uh, to Syria. In addition to that, we've uh, for the humanitarian reasons uh, we've uh, given permission uh, for some flights over our space yes, airspace yes. to syria uh, there were some flights uh, eight flights uh, from from turkey through turkey actually to syria so uh, there were some some movement of some aid to syria in that sense the question then is, as you were saying just now, so much aid has poured in so far, but I'm sure that it's still not enough. Where are the gaps in terms of aid still needed to help Turkey in its rescue, recovery and rebuilding efforts? At the moment, uh, with the, the, uh, what I can say is that the only need we have right now is winter tents because of the winter conditions of the region. Other than that, um, the industry and the, and the company all the people of, of, of Turkey is working over the clock uh, to help uh, to provide the, uh, the, the supplies that the people are needed at the moment. So all I, all I can say is right now that the, we are trying to find some more uh, winter uh, tents and that's it actually. Today in the studio is His Excellency Emir Salem Yüksel, Turkey's ambassador to Malaysia. We're going to take a short break and after the messages, we shift the conversation to the deepening and warming ties between Malaysia and Turkey. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Welcome back on The Breakfast Grill. We have with us His Excellency Emir Salim Yüksel, Turkey's ambassador to Malaysia. Now, His Excellency, earlier on we discussed the extent and scale of the destruction wrecked by the recent earthquake in East Turkey and Syria. But I want to shift our tone to the warming of relations between Malaysia and Turkey. I mean, I've, I've seen it elevate to the next level, especially along the re-election of our Prime Minister, that was Sri Anwar Ibrahim. He just returned from Turkey yesterday. You sent him off on t- Tuesday. He, you greeted him back on Thursday. What was the conversation that took place between you and him? Uh, thank you, Philip. Um, actually, uh, what I would like to say is that the relations between Malaysia and Turkey is always warm. And uh, uh, recently, I just wanted to want to underline in, in, in July, actually, our relations has been ele- elevated to the comprehensive strategic partnership level. And it means that we are going to and we will try to deepen our relations in all fields. And in addition to that, yes, uh, it was an opportunity and it was a privilege to uh, see 
his Excellency Prime Minister uh, at the at the uh, Bungaraya off, and then I will I, and then I welcomed him as well. So uh, before going there, actually we talked about the situation down there in a little bit, and then about his program. Uh, there was some some changes in his program, and then he went to Gaziantep first and to see the, the Malaysians working there, smart teams. Uh, it was very good uh, decision actually, and then uh, they had a meeting with the president in Ankara. So all in all, it was a short trip, you know, eight something, eight hours, and then he came back. So I, I, I'm very thankful uh, on behalf of my country about his visit because it showed that how solid our relations are, how uh, how close our relations our relations are. Uh, it's it was a, a solid symbol of solidarity of Malaysia uh, with with Turkey, uh, embodied by 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 His Excellency Prime Minister and. When he came back, he said that um, the, he he saw the situation uh, himself. So uh, we talked about a little bit the the, the Malaysian uh, mobilization to help uh, to to uh, Turkey in the next uh, days, and that's all because he had some some other issues to to follow. In. The interesting thing and observation, and I wonder in my mind is whether this really incredibly cordial and brotherly relationship is just a function of two leaders that get along extremely well. How can we make sure that the relationship extends beyond just a personal friendship between two leaders? That's uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is that it's not about uh, only leaders. It's about be- the relations between two peoples. I mean, two two countries and the Malaysians and, and Turkish people. And uh, as I'm trying to say is that our relations dates back to very, uh, you know, a long, long history, uh, maybe centuries. Uh, there are so much examples. And uh, for example, uh, I can say that in the uh, in the history, in the 19th century, there were lots of uh, so visits. Uh, for example, there was a visit from, from Johor at that moment to the Ottoman Empire. And uh, of, of course, in Malaysia, then, uh, then we have Malaysia. And we have Turkey, so our relations are uh, strategically elevated right now. And of course, uh, the, the, the personal relationship between uh, our president and uh, President Erdogan and His Excellency Prime Minister is also another um, additional uh, added value to the relations. And as you mentioned, uh, mid last year, they were elevated to this level of comprehensive strategic partnership. And the goal was to address multiple global challenges, including Islamophobia, the Afghanistan crisis, and the Palestinian crisis taking place. Has there been any progress? Uh, yeah, we are uh, in constant talk with the uh, with uh, with all these issues, which can be uh, which can be about international uh, situation, which can be about bilateral issues, and uh, uh, just. After the this uh, elevation of this uh, strategic partnership, actually there was the the uh, the, uh, the elections uh, in Malaysia came, and of course we stopped for a while with our talks, and then now uh, we are going to start once again. And beyond just geopolitical uh, collaborations, let's focus on economic ties. We have seen quite a lot of cross-border investments between Malaysia and Turkey. I mean, Malaysian companies have invested in aviation businesses, healthcare, defence and such. Where are the remaining economic opportunities that remain untapped between Malaysia and Turkey in your view? Uh, Just I would like to say to, to you is that Malaysia is the largest trade partner of Turkey in ASEAN. 
uh, I think it's a very good asset. It's almost uh, the, the bilateral trade volume is almost 5 billion US dollar, which is an important sum. And uh, in Turkey, uh, there are uh, there are lots of different uh, opportunities for investments. For example, the energy in, energy production, electricity production is one of them. Renewables is another issue. Uh, solar uh, energy uh, renewables in that sense is an important uh, area that Malaysian uh, uh, Malaysian companies can can make some some uh, additional efforts to to have some investments in Turkey. Are we going to see a free trade agreement between both countries though? Yes, we have yeah, actually mm-hmm. in 2015 the mm-hmm. the free trade agreement entered into force. We already have one. In addition to that, actually we expanded it with e-commerce, uh, yep. investments, and services. So, how do we take it to the next level then? Uh, in terms of economy, yeah. In terms of economy, these really, the the last uh, expansion of the FTA will enter for, into force in a, in a bit of time, and then it will be much easier to to work f- uh, for both business people of from both countries uh, to work in different in in both countries and then uh, as e-commerce investments and the services are very important e-commerce is a is a you know booming industry in in, in terms of economy uh, and i think we will be seeing different uh, initiatives taken by the business people you've taken on your role as the ambassador to turkey of turkey to malaysia uh, june last year i believe what have been your priorities in enhancing the relationship. My priority is to deepen the relations in terms of economy and cultural relations in terms of academic academic exchange uh, universities. I believe that uh, Malaysia has a very good basis of universities and uh, different universities in the within the world uh, rankings and we have a robust system of universities in Turkey as well so we are trying to deepen those relations as well. It's I think it's going to be valuable for the future of both countries. And when you reflect back uh, and think about the challenges that now Turkey is facing with respect to uh, the earthquake, right, where can Malaysians help uh, in terms of, you know, providing support to the Turkish people? Uh, Malaysia, uh, the, it's the, the the moral support of Malaysia is very important. Actually, the smart teams and uh, and the field hospital is a very important moral boost for us. It was it is actually to see our brothers and sisters to to be with us in the in the ground zero in turkey and uh, of course uh, uh, we will develop uh, an overall comprehensive policy in terms of uh, rehabilitation of those areas and uh, of course we will be discussing this uh, more with with our counterparts in malaysia uh, in terms of how we can develop in the debt relations are there any areas of rebuilding efforts that you think Malaysians are very good at that they can help bring skills to help in the rebuilding efforts in this part of Turkey? Yeah, uh, I think uh, our companies can make some some uh, some cooperation with the relevant uh, companies from Malaysia. I think in there is a potential in that. So I think it's going to be a good opportunity to rediscover the the opportunities that uh, and the business people are giving to each other in that sense.
And just reminding our listeners, you can actually go to the um, Turkish Embassy's website, emb.mfa.gov.tr forward slash mission, to basically get the details where you can actually continue to donate and support in the rescue recovery efforts for this devastating earthquake. That all concludes our time and conversation. Ambassador, I hope I can get to see you again as we talk uh, about deepening economic ties and diplomatic ties between Malaysia and Turkey in the coming future. On the Breakfast Grill, His Excellency Emir Salem Yuksel, Turkey Ambassador to Malaysia. I'm Philip C, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.